born to die That he might give Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. My soul that night there's a difference between having a knowledge of the Bible and a working knowledge of the Bible. You can say, I know this verse, that verse, but you don't know how to use it. You don't know how to put it together. It's like having a saw, but you don't know what it's for. Having a hammer, I don't know what this is for. You're having tools, but not knowing how to put anything together or build anything. So he says, the word of righteousness, for he is a what? He's lost. See, it didn't say he's lost. He's a babe. He's a child of God, but he's a babe in Christ. And so in verse 14, but strong meat belonging to them who are of full age. In other words, you've taken the time, time, and you've learned the Word of God, and you've grown and matured, and now you're able to discern right from wrong. See, a mature person in the Lord, in the Word, can discern right from wrong. If you can't discern it yet, because you're still maybe not as mature as you think you are, or should be. Look what he said, even those who by reason of what? See, if you don't use it, you lose it. By reason of use, you grow by being involved. You grow by, well, applying the Word of God to your life. Not just, well, I know that and never do anything. You don't know the Bible until the Bible controls your life. So he says, have their senses exercised up here mentally to discern. Discern what? Right from wrong. That's why he says, you're a babe. You should have grown. You should be able to teach. But you can't. You have need of milk, not of strong meat. It's because you can't discern right from wrong. So now in chapter 6, we're still talking to believers. And the reason you don't have to get saved again is because you still are. And look at the next verse. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us, us, believers, go on from being a babe to maturity. We're going to progress to something. And so he says, let us go on to perfection or maturity, not, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith toward God because you're not lost, you're still saved. You don't have to get saved again. See, repentance is rejecting salvation by dead works. So you don't put your trust in your works you put them in what Christ did on the cross for you. So you don't have to do that again. But you can start over from where you are and grow if God permits. You see there in verse 3, if God permits. You see, you grow because you are obeying the Lord and applying the truth that you're learning. When you reject truth, the truth you reject 
is what helps you to understand the next truth. But when you reject truth, you can't get to the next truth. And so you cannot grow and mature. You don't get to pick and choose. Whenever you hear and study the Word of God, you to accept the Word of God and to believe the Word of God. And by faith, you can grow because you believe it. But when you don't believe it, what God says is the truth, then you're not going to mature. God will not permit it. And you'll be a babe all your life. And you can go to church for 20, 30 years and have heard it a thousand times and not be any stronger than you were 20 years ago. And you'll hear somebody else will come along, they'll trust Christ as Savior and just fall in love with the Word and begin to study and apply themselves and whether you know, and they're bypassing you. And you're still down here. Now, that's your choice. God wants all of His children to learn and to listen, to grow in the Lord. And so He says here in verse 4, For it is impossible for those who were enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, made partakers of the holy. This is those who have already been saved. It's impossible for those who are saved that if they could fall away, they'll ever get saved again. You can't get saved again. Why? Because that would crucify Christ over again, as he says, afresh. Because that means Christ would have to come back and pay for your sins that you committed after you already got saved. And then you got some more sins. So now you're lost. Now you got to get saved again. There's not one story in the Bible where a man was saved and got lost. There isn't one. Find it. You won't find it. It's not in there. And if it was true that a man can get saved and lose his salvation, where's the story that says you can get saved, lose your salvation, and get saved again? Find one. If it was true, there ought to be one in there. And it ain't. Why? It's not true. So when you trust Christ as your Savior, you're His child forever. And it can never contradict. None of these verses can contradict Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. If it does, then that understanding of these verses is out of place. Something's wrong with it. It can never refer your salvation as something that you have to do after you're saved to stay saved. If it does, if it contradicts Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, then it's false. I wish everybody could understand what I'm saying. Because they don't. They don't get it. Now, because this is true, you never have to do it again. Once you're saved, you are always saved. Now, when you see that word in verse 5, but have tasted the good word of God, they say, well, that's just tasting it. It's just, I mean, you just tasted it, but you didn't really take it. All right, look in chapter 2 and verse 9. Chapter 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death. Well, he didn't really die. He just tasted it. Or do you think he really died? He really died. He tasted death for how many? Every man. So when it says, you and I, we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And so there he makes the statement. And the power of the world to come, those who have trusted Christ the Savior, in verse 6, if they shall fall away to renew them again in unrepentance, it's impossible. To be saved, lose your salvation, and get saved again. It cannot happen. Now, go in your Bible to the book of Galatians in chapter 4. Galatians in chapter 4. And this is also a good portion of Scripture. And you'll notice that it's in the Bible, but you don't have to be afraid of it. Because you say, well, I, I don't know how to explain that. Go to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. That cannot be compromised. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, where it says, 
ye are fallen from grace. See in verse 4, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. Now let's establish a couple things here. Ye who are justified by the law. So that must mean that some people have been justified by the law. No. Look there in Galatians in chapter 2, verse 16. So are we really talking about there's people who can be justified by the law? Because people were beginning to teach this. They were preaching this. Legalistic Judaizers came from Jerusalem and claimed to say, this is what you have to do. So look in verse 16. Knowing that a man can be justified by the law. See how easy it is to misread that? But look at verse 16. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall what? No flesh be what? No flesh. No person was justified. Now look in chapter 3 and verse 11. Galatians chapter 3 verse 11 where he says, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith. You can't trust in the law to save you. You can't trust the law to give you righteousness. And the faith is not in the law to save you. Because the law never guaranteed to save anybody. And if there had been a law given which could have given life, very righteousness should have been by the law. But you see, when you take salvation by grace, and you set it aside, and I'm going to try to earn my salvation then you have fallen from grace. Now, a believer, let me show you the difference between the believer on this and the unbeliever on this. Here in this um, little portion of Scripture, tells us very plainly what was going on in the book of Galatians. You see there in chapter 1, look in verse 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. And he makes this statement here. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that calls into the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that will pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, he makes a statement here. I marvel that you are so soon removed. See, he had led them to the Lord. They were now moved to accepting another gospel. Believers that were saved knew the truth of the gospel, but because of some false teachers teaching a false message, believers teaching something that wasn't true. Is it possible for you who know Christ as Savior and you know you're going to heaven today, is it possible you could tell somebody else how to go to heaven that's wrong? Is it possible preachers can do that? You're saved by grace and you know that, but you tell somebody else they've got to turn from their sin, make Christ the Lord and Master of their life, and if they don't live right, they're not going to heaven. You see, you can be deceived even after you've been saved. That's what was going on. And that's why he says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you to the grace of Christ, the truth of the gospel, and to another gospel. And as he says there in verse 7, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So he says, though we are an angel from heaven, preach unto you any other gospel than that which we preach unto you, let him be accursed. Because that's not the right gospel. So he says over here in the book of Galatians, and look in chapter 2 and verse 21. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 21. And notice what it says here. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Now, what do you mean by that? Look up here. I do not frustrate the grace. In other words, I don't set it aside. Because if I'm going to set it aside and try to earn my salvation by my works, then Christ is dead in what? 
He died in vain. That's what he's saying. Then Christ is dead in vain. So if you set his grace aside, remember he says the grace of God that brings salvation is like the water line that brings salvation, the water. But if you reject the water pipe, you can't get the water. If you reject salvation by grace, you can't get salvation. Because there's only one way a man is saved, and that's by grace alone. And so he makes this statement here. That a man is saved, yes, by grace, through faith, and that alone. And he cannot save himself. So now, look there in Galatians in chapter 5 one more time. So he says there in verse 4, Christ has become of no effect on you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. So they weren't justified by the law, but they were seeking to be justified by the law. Here you're talking about being justified by the law. Now in Galatians chapter 2, look back here, just a couple pages. You got to see this. In Galatians in chapter 2, look what he says there in verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified by who? Over here, he's talking about being justified by what? The law. Which way do you think it is? It's by Christ and not by the works of the law. And so a Christian who is rejecting that salvation message and have changed and now preaching a message that cannot save, you have fallen from grace, the message of grace. You have rejected salvation by grace. That doesn't mean you're not saved. A saved person can preach the wrong message. Now, I believe a lot of people have probably been here in this ministry, saved in this ministry, but you'd be surprised how when they go to other ministry, they get taught something else differently and wind up preaching a message that's not, a, not the truth. Now, let's look at one more before we get out of here. Look at number three. Verses that seem to say that you must do good works after you're saved. James chapter 2. Let's go to James in chapter 2. James in chapter 2. And you'll notice there is a verse 17. And look what it says in verse 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Then alone. Faith without works is dead. See down in verse 24. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone. We just talked about your man cannot be justified by his works. Now it's saying you cannot be just justified by faith alone, but by works also. Contradiction in the Bible. Or there has to be an explanation for it, right? So now, number one, you're always trying to, now who is he talking to? So you look up there in verse 14. What doth it profit my what? So we're talking to the believers about profit in his life. We're not talking about how to go to heaven. None of this has anything to do with going to heaven. This is talking about the believer and his life and how he lives. Wouldn't it have been something if you'd have been back there? Let's say, for example, here's Mary. And you know she had Jesus, and Jesus was the Son of God. But she had some other sons and daughters. And if she just said to her kids, you know, why can't you be more like your big brother? I mean, <laughs> he was perfect. Why can't you be like your brother? I wonder if Jesus ever had to get chewed out or get a spanking. I doubt it. He never did anything wrong. But, you know, you ever hear people say, well, I think you ought to just live the Christian life and live it before man 
and they'll see that you've got such a wonderful Christian life, they're going to come to you and ask you, why do you live so godly and so holy? And then they'll get saved. It didn't work in Jesus' family. If Jesus had only lived more like Jesus, then his brothers would have believed him. But you know they didn't? They didn't believe he was who he claimed to be. They didn't believe it. And I don't think you are going to live any better than what Jesus lived. I'm going to live like a Christian. been great if Jesus had. But his own brothers and sisters didn't believe on him. See, that philosophy don't work. Should we live right? Yes. To get to heaven? No. But God's talking about how to have profit in your life. Now, very quickly, I want you to see this. Look in James chapter 1. Look in verse 22. To the believer, to those who know Christ as Savior, but be ye what? Doers of the word, not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. So you can be deceived, and you can be just a hearer and not a doer. If any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a lost man, and he ain't going to heaven. No, he's like a person who looks into the mirror. And you're looking into the mirror, and lo and behold, you've got cobwebs in your hair, you've got turtleneck sweaters on your teeth, and you need to shave. Uh, the women. I mean the men. What, you, you don't take the mirror off the wall. It just leads you to the soap and the water and, you know, the razor and, you know. There's a reason for the Word of God. It is the mirror that you look in to see the inside of you. You can see the outside of you. But this shows you also on the inside. And so he makes this statement here in verse 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein... He being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be saved. Now, he'll be blessed in his deeds. You see, he's not talking about how to go to heaven. You see there in verse 1 of chapter 2, my brethren, he's talking to believers about how believers are supposed to do the right thing. Now, you look down here and he talks about how that we are going to be disciplined by the Lord and we're going to be judged by the Lord when we get to heaven at the judgment seat of Christ. So you see there in verse 12, So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. This is when you get to heaven. This is not how to get there. This is why God's going to reward you when you get to heaven because of what you did. So God says, Salvation is one thing. That's you trusted Christ as Savior. That depended upon His work for you. Now, as a child of God, God wants His children to have profit in His life, to live for a reason. And so this reason is to honor and to glorify the Lord. And so you're talking about being justified, not only in the eyes of God, but in the eyes of man. So is there a contradiction between what Paul preached and what James preached? No contradiction at all. Because, you see, when Paul was talking about in the book of Romans, a man is saved by faith without the works. And here James is talking about you've got to have the works. Contradiction? No. Paul was talking about how to be justified before God by faith alone. But when talking about before man, man cannot see your faith. They can only see your works. And if you don't have the works, then they'll just consider you a hypocrite. Because you're saying something and living something else. So if you're a child of God, you should live like a child of God. You should talk like a child of God. You should go where a child of God ought to go. Do the things that God wants. Because people see your works. 
And that's what God is talking about here in this book. So when he asked the question, he asked the question in verse 14. Look at the question. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? No. See, everybody assumes you're talking about going to heaven. If you're going to heaven, yes, faith can save him. That's all he needs. But we're not talking about going to heaven. We're talking about a Christian and his prophet here in the lives of other people. So he says, if a brother or sister, talking about how you're going to respond to somebody else who is in need. So when God says, when you get to heaven, God's not going to reward you because of your faith. He's going to reward you because of your works. No works, no rewards. And you're going to reap what you sow. In other words, if you don't do the work, it's as though your faith is dead. You accomplish no works. You still get to heaven because of what Christ did. But you won't have anything when you get there because you didn't do anything. God's going to reward you according to your works and no works. Nothing to be rewarded for. You see, if you put it in this frightful place, it, there's no problem with James chapter 2. It's whenever you use the Ephesians 2, 8, 9 as the clarity of the rest of Scripture, it makes good sense. And so there's no contradiction. So when you go down here, look what he says. In verse 23, And the Scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. So there's two things about Abraham here. One is when he believed God and God's righteousness was imputed to him. He refers back to the time in Genesis 15 when God took him out there and says, count the stars and says your seed is going to be as the stars of heaven. So Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham was justified before God and there was no law. He lived 430 years before the law was given. But when he talks about his faith being demonstrated by his works, he refers whenever he offered up Isaac, which was about 13, 14, 15 years later. So you look there in verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by what? Works. When he did what? When he offered up Isaac, his son. But when he refers to his righteousness, God's righteousness has been put to his account. It's because of what he believed. Now he's justified because of what he does. Two different things separated by a number of years. But if you don't understand Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, you can get your mind all messed up. Because if, if you do have to live right, you don't even know you're saved. If you have to be good to go to heaven, you don't know if you're good enough. You just canceled yourself. If you have to earn your way to heaven, you don't know you're going. If you could lose your salvation, you don't know you haven't already lost it. If you have to do good works to be saved, you don't know if you are. Because if it depends on you, you're a mess. You cannot be trusted. You would be deceived to trust, put your confidence in what you do. But if we put our trust and confidence in what Christ did, that's the best news in all the world. Now let me just give you this in closing, down at the bottom of the page. A lot of people like to use the one in Matthew 24. But he shall endure unto the end. The same shall be saved. If it's for eternal salvation, it can only apply to those in the tribulation. Let me say that one more time. If it refers to salvation, it can only apply to those in the tribulation. Because he's answering a question. And they said, what shall be the sign of thy coming. He will know. And when shall these things be? And the end of the age. And so he tells them, those that endure to the end, the end of that age, which is talking about the tribulation period. 
So it's not talking about you and me because we're not even going to be here. It's talking to people that have not even been born. Well, they may have been born through after takes place soon. I wouldn't mind that. And so he's talking about those people. And that's not here. And then he says in the very next verse, he says, and the end is not yet. Those that are doing the end, and the end is not yet. So is he talking about the end of that period of time? If he's talking about the end of the world, well, then you've got, you got to endure to the end of the world. You want to try that? You don't even know if you can make it till tomorrow. And if it's, you got to endure to the end of the world. How many people are going to be left then? All of us are going to be dead, that's for sure. So it can't be referring to that. See, you can do some things by using some common sense in the process of elimination. But those who are alive at the end of the tribulation period, he says God says he has to intervene or there'll be no flesh alive. Talking about physical death. But he also makes the statement in the book of Romans in chapter 11 that when Christ comes back, all Israel will be saved. And so at the very end, all will be saved. And those that endure to that end will be saved because there'll be as a nation and God will take them to Either way, it doesn't compromise the truth of the gospel. Man is saved and saved by grace. And being clear on the gospel is the key to understanding the rest of Scripture. I hope that makes sense. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. Now, God says he loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from the Lord. So since we've all sinned, we're all condemned. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you have to be perfect as righteous as God. But no man's perfect. And God says, no man can justify himself by his works. By the law shall no flesh be justified. By your works, you'll never get to heaven. Impossible. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all of the sins upon himself, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And said if we would trust him and what he did for us, he would put this payment to our account and we would be justified by our faith in Christ and what he did for us. Justified by faith alone. In Christ alone. Nothing else. And if you'll trust him, you can have eternal life and know that you're going to heaven when you die. Let's pray, shall we? Heads bowed and eyes closed no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior... I want you to trust the Lord more than anything else in the world. Or if you're watching by internet, right on the screen, it says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. But friend, I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't have to sign anything or give anything. Because salvation is the gift of God. It's not of works. It's free. All God wants you to do is believe he did it for you. Would you trust him as your Savior? And if you will trust him, he said he would save you from hell, give you eternal life, and you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you trust him? I pray that you will. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand does not save you. It only lets me know that you're trusting Christ as your Savior. And I'd like to have prayer for you. I really would. I'd like to know if what I said made sense to you. So without any pressure of any kind, only because you choose to do so, would you just let me know by an uplifted hand that, yes, preacher, I'm trusting Christ as my Savior this morning, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is anyone at all? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, never be afraid or ashamed of the gospel. 
You don't have to worry about somebody coming up with something. Maybe you can't answer it at that point, but you'll know it's clear. I know Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It can't contradict that. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you do for us. We ask also your blessings upon all those that have been working behind the scenes to prepare a good meal for each person here. And we pray your blessings upon them. Pray that they can raise a lot of funds for the camp. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.